Beards for Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Beards for Radio podcast. We know it's been a while, uh, but we're going to be getting to the new season of The Mandalorian that just premiered last week. And uh, we'll start off with Michigan State's surprising win over Michigan. So welcome in, everybody. I'm Joe. And I'm Sasha. And it's good to have you with us. Uh, Sasha, I know we're going to have lots to talk about about Michigan, Michigan State. Um, This one just really took me by surprise because I thought it would be a while for Mel Tucker to really get a signature win. I I didn't even know if one was coming this year because – if you add up like the accumulated time he's probably had to practice with his team and like install his playbooks, it's probably been like maybe four weeks total. You're right. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm, I'm with you on that one. But then again, man, nothing really surprised me. Um, you know, the first, you know, opening weekend, everyone was raving about Michigan and Milton. I'm just like, you know, there's, you know, a few, you know, stuff you got to kind of consider the fact that, you know, Minnesota didn't even have a punter. Every punt went like 10 freaking yards. So Michigan <laughs> had like less than 50 yards to go to make a touch, uh, to score a touchdown. I mean, you better be scoring if, if your drives are starting, you know, at the opponent's 45 yard line. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that to me was a little fraudulent. I, I, I really want to see how, how it would have gone if they would have had a legit punter, which just shows you that, you know, the kicking game, you know, is important in football. You know, for field, to, uh, you know, possession. I mean, look, look at look at the the Rams' uh, last game. That that punter just went like inside the five and won the game for them. Like off of those five punts, you know what I'm saying? So it's like those field positions really mattered. And I think Michigan kind of had an advantage week one. I kind of want to see more of what PJ Fleck had to do because that's my boy. I really do like him. I kind of yeah. energy brings. But you know, I don't want to go off on a tangent. But that's why. Mission kind of was fraudulent to me. You know, I didn't really like, oh, oh, wow, wow, wow. And then we saw this Saturday, I, you know, what we saw, I saw Milton throw, right, he has a howitzer, no doubt. Dude has a gun. But, like, trying to fit it in windows where, like, at points I was like, what is he thinking? You know what I'm saying? And at points I'm like, why isn't he running? You know what I'm saying? So there was a lot lot to question. And then, you know, then Don Brown was sending blitzes and then, here, you know, you got uh, Rocky looking like Tom Brady, a little dink dunk here, you know, over the, over the uh, you know, the blitzing, um, you know, backers and corners, you know what I'm saying? So, and then Gray couldn't even keep up with uh, number seven. I can't even think of the dude's name. The, uh, Ricky White. Freshman. Yeah, you couldn't even keep up. Like, this this guy was looking, they, he looked confused. You know, I saw a look of confusion on his face. It's like, what is going on here? This doesn't look like a team that's been running by one of the best, highest paid two coaches in, you know, the nation that's in on college level. You know what I'm saying? If he wants to be a top 10 coach, man, his, his guys looking like this after year six, pathetic showing is absolutely pathetic showing. And I've been saying this about Jim Harbaugh. He just, he just, he's, he's milk toast. He's vanilla. You know, why do you want to, why do you want to play for that? You know what I'm saying? Now look at, I look at Ohio state. You look at, uh, you know, Ryan day. It's like, it's like, that's the kind of dude you probably want to go to a bar with, you know, have a, have a beer with, you know what I'm saying? I got no problem with that. You, you look over to Michigan. Uh, I mean, look over to Minnesota. You see PJ Flack, dude, a dude's doing a, you know, you know, rock star, you know, you know, uh, crowd dives into his guys. You know, they love him. Mel yeah. Tucker obviously got something going on with his team. Because um, I thought I thought for a second when um, I, I can't think of what player it was, he kind of stood over uh, the Michigan player, yeah, Shakur Brown. Yes, and he got a penalty, and I, I thought I thought that was gonna kind of be like, oh, dude, stupid penalty by you know Michigan State instead of kind of get Michigan rolling, which we all know it didn't. But I think Mel Tucker kind of like kiboshed it right then and there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? that was so, like, that was really the only mental mistake by Michigan State all day. Uh, was that that um, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that made it go from I think it would have been like third and eleven, third and twelve to an automatic first down, and Michigan ended up scoring on that drive to tie the game at seventeen. Like, right. 
that's what impressed me the most about Michigan State. Like, they just came out and they had a set plan and they stuck to it. And they just didn't even let Michigan punch back. Like, they punched and, you know, Michigan responded. Like, what they, they tied it up a couple times. But Michigan State never trailed in the game. And they just didn't look outmatched or outmentaled or outcoached or outplayed. They looked like the better team, in all honesty. No, I agree with you, man. But I just like the last the last drive where Michigan scored, and I know I noticed these are like Matt Stafford garbage yards, you know, <laughs> like like the, the, the defenses and prevent. We get it. You know, I, I get yeah. it. But like Milton using his feet more, he's a big body kid. He reminds me of Cam Newton, the way he plays. I want him to bowl over guys. I want him to run more, you know what I'm saying? Especially in college. Especially yeah. in college, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't see that from him. The last few drives, I saw that. The, the, in particularly speaking, that uh, the the uh, the last drive, I want to see yeah, him it took use about his feet five more. Minutes. Yeah, I want to see him. I want to see his feet more. I want to see him run more. You know what I'm saying? He's just trying to fit the this ball in. He doesn't have a tight spiral. You know what I'm saying? He has one hell of an arm. Don't get me wrong; he's a strong arm, but is it accurate? Not as, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, said it was. I don't think right. it was that accurate. I think he has a strong arm, but crap. If anybody works out, you know, as much as these athletes do, and any quarterback can have a howitzer, but can you get it, you know, on the on the target? You know, right. sometimes can you make the throws you need to make? Right. Like Rocky Lombardi has touch. I got to give it to him. He had touch on those balls. Sometimes I, some of those balls I thought were going to loft away, like, but no, they they dropped right down into the basket. So yeah, he he really looks safe. like he worked on his his footwork and his arm work over the off season because a year ago, two years ago, he was not making that type of throw. Uh, Rocky Lombardi wasn't. So I'm very happy and like pleased with the the first two games from Rocky Lombardi. And um, depending on what happens this year, you know, he could be setting a pretty strong foundation for himself. Uh, because this year is not going to count towards anybody's eligibility. So he could be cementing himself to start two years after this and, um, you know, just hopefully get better from here. Because I, I remember how we used to talk about Lewerke when he was a sophomore. Like, we thought he was only going to get better from there. That ended up being his best season, you know? Right. Um, That's true, too. But yeah, I, I was so happy to see Michigan State just slinging the ball all around the field. I believe they attempted 13 passes, uh, 13 uh, what would be considered long passes. Uh, they completed four passes of 30 yards or more. I don't think they had that many last season or in 2018. So, <laughs> you know, as long as we've been recording this podcast for about three years now, I've been begging to see some offense like that. And they they found a weakness in Michigan's defense. It was the secondary. It was the long ball. Uh, they singled out Green and Gray, and they just didn't let up. Nor should you. the the main The best way to win in football is to find the other team's weakness and exploit it. It's and then it's to find your own weakness and hide it as best you can. Because I thought for right. sure after we, the Week One debacle against Rutgers, uh, you know, Doctor Blitz and uh, Pay and Hutchinson. They were going to be licking their chops, looking at Rocky Lombardi like like he was a lamb, and they were some lions. But Michigan State's pass blocking was well improved. Uh, Rocky was getting the ball out quick, and uh, it wasn't just dinking and dunking. He was he was getting the ball downfield. His first pass or his right. first touchdown pass to Ricky White from thirty yards out, he put it right where it needed to be, and uh, they just played mistake free football for the most part. Right, no, no, he had those long passes, but but they're reading Don Brown's. What I'm saying is like the dink and dunk part. Yeah, that re- they're reading Don Brown's blitzes very well, and he was getting it away very well. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And, 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 and like I said, and the throw it on top of his. Uh, like I was saying, he has a nice touch on the ball. I thought some of them were gonna float away. He was going down down the field, so he. He he read he read the defense very well, which which to me is just like is. Is Don Brown's defense suspect? I've been saying it for a little bit, man. You know, he's he like blitzes every time, which is like, all right, I get it. But it's like, it's like, if you know what's going on, if this guy's gonna send a blitz like every time, like ninety percent of the time, 
yeah, you're going to get those little, oh, the little cross routes and then yeah. the, little, the little little setup uh, screen screen passes, you know what I'm saying, that Hayward, you know, pretty much scored off of, you know, yeah. two plays just like that. So th- that's what's going to happen with Michigan. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 for blitzing and, and having blitz packaging, don't get me wrong. But like every time every you need time, to adjust. He just doesn't right. adjust anything. Right. And like the way his defense is set up is great against inferior teams. So you'll look like an absolutely dominant defense against the offensive lines that just can't handle that type of pressure. But against the good teams that can, you will get beat. There's going to be a lot of offenses you see that are better than Michigan State's. Like I said, Michigan State's putting in a new offense, and uh, they've basically had maybe four weeks of practice total since Mel Tucker took over. Uh, so that's far from a finished product that we saw on Saturday. Yeah, true. And I, and I wonder how, how much this, you know, whole, whole, you know, lockdown during this whole COVID pandemic, you know, brought – you know, camaraderie between these teams. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like it's like these guys are locked down. They're gonna be obviously they're practicing, they're kind of locked down together. You know what I'm saying? So they're around each other more more than often. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if that plays a big part of it too. You know what I'm saying? So like that four that four weeks might have felt like six, seven weeks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That you would have spent together. But but it obviously didn't fare well for Michigan because I just I don't I see no change. I see no change. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I was happy with you. It was like, oh, we're going with Milton. Milton's our guy. Cool. You have Bam. There it goes. Right. You know I'm saying Milton's our dude. We got it. And now it's just like, is he? Is he? Is he really your dude, or is it the guy who transferred? Right. Was it? Should have been him. I don't know. He might have been worse. You know, we don't know. But it's just that if if you're dubbed the quarterback whisperer. You know what I'm saying? And everywhere you went, you had Luck and you had Kaepernick, and then all of a sudden you come here and it's just like everything has just failed. And, you know, he, I, I feel like himself, he's still trying to find an identity. He kind of knows he's milk toast. You know yeah. what I'm saying? H- hence the blue jean, the blue the blue pants, the no khakis. You right. know what I'm saying? He's trying, oh, to, he's like, trying to switch he's trying it up. To change his it's identity like, a bit. Right. It's like, it's like, okay, what are you going to do? The blue khakis? Like, oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> It's just like, you know, I, I come from an era that we have a term that says you ain't, you ain't got to lie to kick it. You know what I'm saying? Just just be you. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to lie who you are. Be you. It, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to be, you know, throw it out the window. It's who, who you are. That's it. Be comfortable with yourself, and you can kick it. It's, it's everything. It's cool. Jim Harbaugh, I think he's, like, uncomfortable in his own skin. You know what I'm saying? Almost to the point where he's just, like I said, he's switching up his look just because he wants a new look. It's like, dude, you're like pushing 60-something, you know what I'm saying, or 60. It's like, give that shit up, you know what I'm saying? This is not, you're not going to be a fashionista. You know what I'm saying? Just coach <laughs> the damn game already, you know? But it's just, it's just, it's getting very annoying to me, man. And just, I've, I've seen this coming for years, man. I've been saying this. Everyone calls me a pessimist, but. Well, you know, if I if something smells funky, I'm gonna ask if somebody farted. You know, that's just who I am. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think for the first time uh, since he's been at Michigan, we're seeing uh, the talk shift from the national media and local media uh, to ha- how they're gonna proceed, and a lot of them just don't see it happening. They just don't see the the Harbaugh Michigan marriage going on much longer like even Marcus Ray uh you know one of the most famous Wolverine defensive backs of all time called in a 97 won the ticket he was talking with our boy Rico Beard today and uh just said yeah he's he's ready to move on he's ready to see what else is out there and I I think that says a lot yeah I mean to me the way to go is the PJ Fleck way is the is the Mel Tucker way is the younger guys you know what I'm saying it's just it, 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 the years of having you know a, a Joe Paterno thirty-year run with Penn State—it's over. Those those times are over. Kids don't want that stuff. People don't care about tradition anymore. You know, it, it's sad to say is it, a, a level of it. Yeah, they do. You know, right. what I'm saying, but right, but like, there's not going to be any Joe Paz. There ain't going to be no more. You know, you know, uh, Bobby Knights. You know, no, you know. It's just it's just not going to happen anymore, you know. If if you're not cutting it within the next three, four, five years, 
you're done. You should be done. You should be cut off, but rightfully so, man. And go for the younger guys. You know, you saw it's going good with LA with McVeigh. You know, look at what's going on with Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. You know what I'm saying? These mm-hmm. young guys are taking over. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like, hey, man, we've been playing Madden our whole lives. We know what's going on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, but, you know, I, I don't know if it is, but, you know. But, yeah, these young guys are taking over, and it is, it's almost like a breath of fresh air, you know what I'm saying, inside of, you know, a program. Um, not, not the stale old, you know, I don't want to say it again, milk toast way, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, I, I feel like I, I'm just, I'm, I'm with them that I, I'm ready to see what's out there. I'm ready to see what's, what's better, what's better, what young guys can bring in to bring a nice breath of fresh air into Ann Arbor because it's just too stale right now. It's too stagnant. Right. Two of the same things been going on since day uh, one. You know, I'm over it. Yeah. Like, really since year one nothing has really impressed me much like I was impressed by what he did in year one 2015 but since then it's just been kind of lackluster like he's had some some nice teams for sure but nothing that I there there just hasn't been a game where I look at and think you know if Jim Harbaugh is not their coach they lose this game you know I can't put my finger on a specific game and think wow this game was the Jim Harbaugh difference. Like they won this game because he's their coach. You know what I'm getting at? I know exactly what you're getting at because that's exactly what I've been saying for six years or <laughs> exactly. Let me you... say five years. Cause I get the first year. I'll give him, I'll give him that first year pass. But no, yeah. I feel, and feel that first year, to his credit, the first year they were, they performed well beyond expectations and uh, well beyond like how that roster should have done. It's just been, you know, what's been going on since then. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it just looks like it's not going to happen year six. I know a lot of people after the Minnesota game were so quick to crown this team his, his best team yet. And uh, it turns out Minnesota's trash because then they go out and lose to Maryland. And then, uh, you know, Michigan State, fresh off of a seven turner, turnover performance against Rutgers, comes in as a, a three touchdown underdog and just wins it's like flat out um it's just not gonna happen year six and i don't know like if a coach that's being paid what he's paid and that had the expectations he had and expectations can be dangerous um to not really have anything to show for it in year six like yeah you you took the program up from the dumps but (laughs) you haven't really like elevated it per se Right, and someone like you said, like someone on his caliber, who's, you know, who who outperformed what he was supposed to outperform in Stanford, gave uh, gave us a, a a product like Andrew Luck came to San Francisco, turned that around, you know, got went to the Super Bowl. You think like, oh, you're getting him around to up and up. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, like underperforming. It could be like like a dangerous thing, and expectations could be a dangerous thing, but you know. When somebody goes to pay you that kind of money and they put, you know, a, a program like the caliber of Michigan's on your shoulder, you're an Ann Arbor kid. You went to Michigan. You're a, you're one of Bo's, you know, Bo's boys. You know, you know football has been in your blood, in your family's blood. Your, your brother's a great coach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're going to expect that from you. Understand that. You know what I'm saying? When you come in with that kind of pedigree – well, we expect we expect it from you, and we don't want to. You know, I don't want to hear any excuses, nor do I want to hear any reasons why. That's the pedigree that you you've brought to Michigan. That's the reason why you're getting paid the money you're getting paid. What people would dream to even have a fourth of what you got, a yeah. third, an eighth, a sixteenth of what you got. You know, what I'm saying that's what we expect out of you. That's what we should have gotten, and I think everybody have have been delivered a bill you know or paid for a bill and they haven't got what they paid for and it's just just yeah done with it so i've i've seen probably more michigan fans like i've heard from them and like read what they're posting probably this week more than any other week in the last five years just coming out and saying that they're done uh that they are just kind of apathetic now uh, Sasha, as, as our as our U of M, uh, our Wolverine co-host, um, 
you know, Michigan's got a pretty a pretty good opportunity to bounce back on Saturday. They're playing Indiana, who's kind of overperformed expectations so far. Uh, I heard somebody pose this question, but if you want Jim Harbaugh gone, which I'm not, I'm not saying you do or like you should, but like if you do, are you kind of like cheering against your team this Saturday? No, I'll never cheer against them because that's good. That's kind of what I wanted to hear. <laughs> you, you know, I, I'll never cheer against them, and, and it's and it's hard for me. It, it's it might be different for the Lions. I'll always cheer against the Lions because I right. I, you know, I want something to change. A small part of me is always like a little happy when the Lions find a new way to lose. <laughs> right, right, because it's been happening for so long. But like, like I grew up. I've 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 seen Michigan win. I've seen Michigan win good games. I've seen Michigan right. have great years. Seeing Michigan had a terrible year, so I'll never root against them. It's kind of different. But what's gonna what's gonna ultimately happen to Jim is Jim's gonna shoot himself in the foot because he's gonna lose to Penn State. He's gonna lose to Ohio State. He's not gonna win the Big Ten. Okay, it's, it's never gonna happen. He's not gonna he's not, he's not gonna go to championship week. It's not gonna happen. That's yeah. that's what's gonna kill him. I don't I don't need to cheer against Jim. You know what I'm saying? For that to happen, it's going to happen. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But but speaking of uh, Indiana this week, I think Indiana's quarterback is going to perform how everybody wants Milton to perform. Michael Penix Jr.? Yes. Yeah, I really like him. He's he's a good quarterback. He he really tore uh, Michigan State up last year, and I, I thought Michigan State's secondary last year was actually uh, their strongest – one of their strongest units on the team. Um, but, yeah, no, I know where you're coming from, like, Last year, we, we talked about it all the time. I, I was ready for D'Antonio to go, uh, but I wasn't cheering against the team, you know, like even if I thought like a loss here. Not that I had to cheer against the team because they were, they were doing a pretty good job of beating themselves anyway. Right. Um, but no, I just had to pose the question. It's, it's a little bit of a loaded question, but. No, no, it, but, uh, but, but, but it's this, fair. It's yeah. a fair question. It's a fair question. But by this point in your tenure, like, you you really you you just you are the results on the field, and they just haven't they haven't been like you can you can have like the fancy recruiting events and whatnot, but it's just it hasn't really turned into the results you expected. No, I'm... and um, I know if, if I were a Michigan fan, I would definitely be disappointed. I don't know if I'd be to the brink of like wanting to part ways yet, but I would I would definitely be a little bit, really miffed and uh, super disappointed for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it just looked like going into the game on Saturday, the two programs were headed in opposite directions. And I thought the gap between Michigan and Michigan state was widening and Michigan was running away with it just based off of like the last two years. And then what I saw week one out of both teams. And, um, it turns out the two teams kind of are headed in opposite directions. Uh, it's just the two, it's, it's just the opposite teams that I expected. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm trying not to put too much stock in uh, a week-by-week analysis of this year because this is a crazy backwards-ass year that we're dealing with. Um, but, you know, I can't help but just be really impressed with the way Mel Tucker had the team ready to go. Um, I, I think Michigan's a more talented team, and Michigan State, uh, like I said, they found a weakness and they kept going at it, and then they covered up their weaknesses pretty well. And uh, their defense, I think, outperformed themselves. I think Antoine Simmons uh, is definitely on my radar. He's probably on your radar. He should be on some NFL scouts' radar. Is it number 34? That would be number 34. Like uh, grew up in Ann Arbor, played for Ann Arbor Pioneer High School. Right across the street from the uh, big house, too. It's crazy. Same high school as Jim Harbaugh, I believe. Yes, same high school as Jim Harbaugh. So I know he's got to feel good about that. Right, because he sa- he um, saved the touchdown, man. That that uh, That – yeah, that was a great play. I, I think that was all instinct and athleticism. Right. And, like, I, I also think being in a rivalry game changes everything. It does. It changes. Yeah. It adds so much more to it, more more want and need. And, and this is also the thing that just, just bothers the crap out of me with Michigan and, 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 and the Wolverines and Jim Harbaugh is that, Whenever they play a rivalry game, and I'm I'm speaking solely about Michigan State and Ohio State, they don't yeah. have the "I want it more" mentality every time. Right. So it's like it's like they're they're they act 
inferior or meek. They don't rise up to the like, – like, if someone punches you in the face, like, are you just going to stand there and watch them? And that's what I feel like Michigan <laughs> does. It's like they get punched in the face and they're just like – you know they're like they're like that Bears uh that Bears wide receiver Wims who punched the other guy and the guy's just like looking at him and he punches him again and he just looks at him you know it's just like are you gonna okay right. are you gonna do something about that are you just gonna get punched in the face and just stand there you know what I'm saying and so like yeah, at least uh at least uh what's his face uh, the running back put his cleats into the ground you know what I'm saying it was upset about it, it showed some emotion I haven't seen any emotions uh God, I can't I can't even think of that uh. That uh, linebacker from Michigan that was putting his cleats into the ground now is gonna kill me. Oh, Devin, Devin Bush. Bush. You know what I'm saying, like, like, yeah. show some emotion. It's like, it's like, I don't mind that. I don't mind that on either side. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. You know, show some emotion before that game. Like, like, you know, like we've seen uh, Florida State, Miami meet in the middle and come to blows. That's great. You know what I'm saying? That's like, that's kind of football I like. You know what I'm saying? But like, Michigan doesn't show that fire. You know, saying they, 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 to me, they seem like the, the snobby little kid who, you know, was just like, oh, I'm here because <laughs> they, my they, parents paid for me to be here. Right. They expect it. They, right. they, like, it's kind of like a birthright to them. Right. Exactly. And, it, and it's just it's like, it, yeah. it's getting old. It's getting really old. And as a Michigan fan, sometimes I, I thought to myself the other day, I'm like, why am I, why am I a Michigan fan? I'm like, I'm like, I, it's like there's, they're against everything that I, that I, be, you know, that I believe, but, now they are not 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 like back right. then. Growing up, it was growing up. It was a different story. right. Growing up it was a different story. Now it's just like what if if I have I outgrown the block M. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't know. I don't there's, know. It, it, there's room on the dark side, hurts. man. There's room on the dark it, side for it. Hurts. You. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> so I don't know. My, my, maybe I'll just be like a like a Eastern fan, or maybe I'll just like go to Specs Ooh. and be like, hey, can can you guys have a mascot already? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I don't know. Right. We need some we need to get that Specs Pride going. Right. So Yeah. And um just in terms of the rivalry too, like since two thousand eight, Michigan State's nine and four in this game. Like that's a long time to be winning at that percentage against your rival. Like at a certain point it's the tide's not turning anymore. It's turned. And yet, like, you know, Michigan won two in a row, 2018 and 2019, and everybody felt like the rivalry was slipping for Michigan State. It's it's quite the opposite. Like, you I, – I just didn't even, like, think about it in this way, but when you win nine out of 13 games against somebody, like, there's no question who the better team is in this rivalry right now. Like, I expect Michigan State to win this game going forward now because – Pretty much, like, since I, when I was a kid, I expected Michigan to win it. But now, I, I just expect Michigan State to win it because that is what I know now, and I expect nothing less going forward. <laughs> this is the standard now, is to beat Michigan. Right, exactly. So, so Mel Tucker set a high standard for himself, beat Michigan, right? Uh, he, that's a hell of a first right? win. Well, sure. we just gotta see how the rest of the, the season goes because you know, e- e- either either records yeah. is better than everyone seems, or like it might be a fluke. And I'm and I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it's not. It's, but it's like you, you get what I'm saying. You can go either way now. You know what I'm saying? It's it's hard to beat anybody when you turn the ball over seven times, and they definitely look looked sloppy and unprepared in week one. Um, and it, it's an interesting dynamic now heading into Iowa because. We, we saw how Mel Tucker and company responded to the bad adversity. You know, everybody was so ready for them to take on Rutgers and everybody was penciling Rutgers in as a W. And then, you know, you got the results you got. And then everybody had turned their back on and, you know, oh, Michigan's a 24-point favorite, a 25-point favorite. At the time of kickoff, it's a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Like, you go from, like, everybody kind of ex- nervously excited for you to everybody's hating you. And now everybody loves you. Like, how are you gonna? How are you gonna deal with it? Are you gonna keep your keep your focus and your mentality inside and not look at the outside world? Uh, are you gonna kind of get full of yourselves? You know, kind of that up down theory that our friend Mike talks about. Um, and then Iowa, they're in a completely different spot. They're zero two. They've had a, a really tough off season in terms of uh, a, a dark cloud hanging over their coach's head about treatment of black players in the past and how his former players have been talking about him. And uh, 
Iowa's going to be a little bit desperate. I think I think Michigan State's going to be getting Iowa's best shot. So uh, I'm I'm just it, it's it's like a relief that they got this win out of the way against Michigan, um, because you know I th- I think like I said, this is a weird season. It doesn't really count in my opinion. This is kind of like year zero for Mel Tucker. It's not even year one. So to do that in in basically year zero, I'm happy with that. Just don't embarrass yourself every week from here on out, and I'll I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like I I wish I could be saying it this at this point, but I don't I don't have that same I don't know. I just don't have that same kind of feel that Jim Harbaugh is going to be able to pull that off. The Wolverines will be able to pull that off. Like I said, I think Indiana is going to perform how a lot of Michigan fans want Michigan to perform. That's what I'm feeling. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, Well, I know you're feeling better about something that we're about to get to. Uh, yes. Season two of The Mandalorian has kicked off. And uh, it was the season premiere, it was, it was something special to talk about. So I'm just going to let you take the reins on this one. Yeah, so Mandalorian season two. Episode one. I know it doesn't go by season two, episode ones. I think it was like chapters or something. Right. It's like chapter yeah, nine yeah. or whatever. So we come to, you know, Din Djarin, you know, the Mandalorian, and he is tasked with taking the the child, baby Yoda, back to where he came from. But he's on Tatooine looking for other Mandalorians because he's heard of a Mandalorian, um, you know, on you know, Tatooine. So he goes into this one um, village. It's not really on the map. It got broken up after, uh, you know, the, the Empire occupation. So he go he, he finds this, this city and he's confronted by a guy in Boba Fett's armor, like straight up Boba's armor, everything. You know, you're yeah. thinking like, oh. Like when he when he comes on screen, you're like, it's Boba. Wait, Wait what? That's not, that's Boba, not Fett. Boba Fett. That's tiny. Yeah, he's like, he's yeah. like, he's skinnier than Boba. But, um, and, uh, <laughs> The guy sits down and takes off his helmet, and it's Timothy Oliphant, which I'm a, I'm a huge Timothy Oliphant fan. I I just started watching Justified, which is really cool. Um, me and my wife nice. watch Fargo, and he's in, he's in that as well. And the funny thing is, is that he plays a U.S. Marshal in Justified. He plays a U.S. Marshal in Fargo, and he played the Marshal of his town in Mandalorian. <laughs> so I, th- I thought it was kind of funny that, like, is, is he stuck just being a marshal for the rest of his life? But shout out to Timothy Olyphant. Yeah. I think he's a great actor, and I'm glad he, he got he got to get thrown in there. But um, yeah, the whole yeah, it was funny how he like takes his helmet off like right away, just like totally unaware of uh, the custom and like the the, the religion mm-hmm. that uh, Din Djarin is living by. You know, he's like, oh, you take off your helmet if you want. He's like, right, no, right. So like, so so um, you know. Spoiler alert! Before all this, I guess you know if people haven't seen it. Oh yeah, big, big spoiler, spoiler alert! It's coming ahead if you haven't watched. If you haven't watched it, big spoiler alert! Right. So this, so this town is plagued by uh, a giant gray, you know, sandworm type thing. You know, they call it the gray dragon, yeah. whatever. And um, they always give like hints too, because this gray dragon is living in a sarlacc pit, an uh, old. Sarlacc pit, like uh, uh, from a from yeah. a dead one. They're like, how, how, how does how does the Sarlacc die? You know what I'm saying? So which that is like, hmm, you know, just like little Easter eggs are throwing in there and whatever, whatnot. So um, uh, they try to kill the Sarlacc. You know, they try to help the you know the the, the sand people out to kill the Sarlacc. So yeah, um, so then Jaren ends up killing it, going getting to his stomach blowing it up, you know, jumping out of his stomach, so kind of showing that maybe uh, Mandalorian can kind of get out of one of these Tatooine creatures' stomachs. You know what I'm saying? Right. So He's used his, uh, his jetpack. Right, he uses his jetpack. Which we all know Boba Fett has. Exactly. So, um, after he gets out, he blows up the worm, he fulfills his, you know, duty to, you know, the dude and the, and the same people and whatever and whatnot. And he gets his Mandalorian armor back. That's the whole reason why he kind of helped Timothy Oliphant. And um, yeah, the uh, the show ends with him taking off, and um, the last three seconds, there's a figure watching him from a distance, and it turns around, and it's 
I can't ever think of his last name, but I remember his his first name's like Tianamu something. I can't think of it's like Tamura. Tamura. I can't think of his last name. It kills me. But oh, find it real quick. But yeah, he turns around and you're like, he's all scarred up and bald, and you're like, oh, Tamura Morris. Yes, and you're like, oh my god, it's effing Boba Fett or yeah. a clone. You, we don't know at that point, but the, the, how old would the, the clones would be old by then? You know what I'm saying? They would, they, yeah. they would be like, you know. But you remember in a in Attack of the Clones, they said, uh, you know, because the clones themselves were uh, had had a accelerated um, maturation or whatever. But Django Fett requested one that wasn't going to be accelerated. And that's, and that's Boba, himself. right. And that was Boba. Right. So when people so yeah. when people say he might be a clone, you can turn around and say, well, the clones would have been older because, you know, look, look, exactly. at, look at the end of the Clone Wars and, and, and you know, Star Wars Rebels, Rex is an old man. It's an old man, Rex. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, I, I really do think this is honestly Boba Fett. And a lot of people came up to me, you know, we're talking about it at work. They're like, do you think that's Boba? I'm like, yeah, he's already, you know, it's, it's already... You know, in the Legends comics, he's already gotten out of the Sarlacc pit. You know what I'm saying? Because right, because the Sarlacc takes it takes like ten thousand years to digest something. You know, and so like usually people, the the victims of the Sarlacc, they die of dehydration or starvation before they even go through the you know the stomach of the uh, of the, of the Sarlacc in yeah. the acid. So he blasted his way out. I think there was another creature in there that he mocked and it helped him get out and. You know, and I guess eventually somebody found his armor, obviously, inside the 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 Jawa's, you know, rolling palace armory. Yeah. And it had in it quote in the in the legendary, you know, in the books and the legendary comics that said it had acid burns all over it, which would make sense him coming out of the Sarlacc pit. So I really do think it's Boba Fett. I I, I there's no way in my mind it can be it yeah. can be a clone. The fact that it's that it's the same actor, you know, I don't see any other outcome of who it could be. Right, know? right. And I didn't, I didn't recognize him at first, but I, I kind of just put two and two together. I was like, that's got to be Boba Fett. I mean, Tatooine, he's got kind of like a vengeful look on his face. Like I don't, because you know, he had a different upbringing. He wasn't brought up like a Mandalorian. You know, he was raised by Jango Fett, right, um, and just took on the role of of bounty hunter. So, I don't think he's. I don't think he's gonna be like too friendly with with Dinjar in, in in this show. I think, I think what we're gonna see is him kind of like follow Dinjar and if he can, uh, from like episode to episode. I think it's gonna be like when Morgan came back in season five of The Walking Dead. Um, well, he came back in season in like the season finale of season five. But at the end of a, a few key episodes, like after the credits, they would kind of drop these little clips of him in there. Yes, remember? following the trees. So yeah. I think that's what we're gonna see with with Boba. All right, that that might be a good that might be a good thing. I you know I, I get that kind of set it up for next season. But like um, I yeah. was reading this article by uh, Ryan Britt from Inverse dot uh, com, and um, he kind of broke it down. He said something very interesting that he's not gonna be too friendly with uh, Din Djarin. Because you know, he kind of didn't grow up like a Mandalorian. Mandalorian, but we don't even know if Django was a Mandalorian. You know, Django. I think I believe Django was like right. armor was. He just wore the armor. You know, was never a Mandalorian. Um, but I think also the fact that he saw his father get killed by uh, Mace Windu. You know, I'm sure he saw mm-hmm. Yoda. Uh, you know, come into uh, you know, with all the clones and you know, storm that arena with all the clones. So what's going to be his reaction when he sees the child who, you know, resembles Yoda so much? How's he going to take to the child knowing that, you know, Bo- it takes, yeah. that, that, that Boba saw the Jedi and, you know, the Republic come in led by Yoda, who is, is the same species as this little dude. So, like, how's he going to take to that? You know what I'm saying? So. So it runs deep. So it runs deep on a whole bunch of levels. And like I'm reading this article too. Like I never thought of it this way, but at that time, you know, when when Boba when Boba got killed, he was he was young, kind of like when Anakin was saved by the Jedi. You know what I'm saying? The difference was is Anakin was kind of saved by the Jedi, 
the Jedi kind of ruined Boba Fett's life. You know what I'm saying? In that right. way. So like, so they kind of grew up like, you know, on the same kind of spectrum, you know, in a way, but like, but they both totally went two different, you know, obviously two different routes. If, if, if Boba Fett could have had, you know, his dad or somebody else, like the Jedi kind of, you know, hone him into being something more than just a bounty hunter, but he just went off with the bounty hunters and we saw, you know, his whole like teenage or, you know, preteen, you know, grow up in, uh, you know, Clone Wars, but like what happened afterwards? So, you know, I, I, I would, yeah. I would personally, I would love to see like them if, if he does come and it's not like the Morgan thing, like you're saying, he's actually kind of a big part into this season. I would like to see like them like redo how he came out of the Sarlacc pit. I think that would be freaking awesome. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so because there have been conspiracy theories about that pretty much since Return of the Jedi ended. <laughs> yeah, I mean the only thing I gotta say about it is like you know a, whole, a little bit of Boba Fett goes a long way. He didn't really like say too much in uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi, like. He was a man of few words, and yet, I, I think he said like five words on screen. Didn't really have too much screen time, but he's like, he's such a big part of the Star Wars franchise, though. Like any big time Star Wars fan probably loves Boba Fett, even though you know he's not as like prominent a figure as a Darth Vader or someone like that. You know? Yeah, most definitely because, like, like you said, like, but between you know the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, and I was just reading about this because it's like this, the same article that I was on is that, you know, in 91, you know, uh, Dark, Dark Horse Comics came out with, uh, I think it's called Dark Empire, which like a lot of people mm-hmm. say that, you know, this last one kind of took out of the, those books. But they also had um, a, a six part, uh, a six part comic book called Shadows of the Empire. And now what uh, Lucas try to do was try to bridge the gap between the empire strikes back and return of the Jedi with this shadows of the empire and Boba Fett uh, plays like such a big role in this where they wanted to give it like a um, kind of like a movie feel without dropping a movie. So they had a book, a six part comic book and they had a Nintendo 64 game called shadows of the empire. And like that kind mm-hmm. of filled the gap between the empire and uh, Return of the Jedi, and um, a lot of like big like mid '90s fans, you know, uh, at that time that that were like uh, big big times for Boba Fett in that whole uh, Shadows of the Empire. So when a lot of people got you know underground fandom and you know, they played these games and the comic book and the, that world, it kind of brought Boba Fett had a more prevalent role in that shadows of the empire. So a lot of people just, like you said, they know him in, you know, the empire strikes back as this man of few words, you know, the same thing with turn of Jedi, but he plays such a prevalent role in between that little project that Lucas had that a lot of people don't know yeah. about that, that the hardcore fans, even like past what I'm fans of, you know, like are very intimate with Boba. So like, I think this is just going to, change everything for the good for star wars i hope those 1979 and the 83 or 78 83 guys that complain about all the other episodes like oh my god kind of have some respect <laughs> for this and you know in some yeah. sort of light and it's, it's exciting because it's i know i know we have baby yoda um who we're not we still aren't like completely sure of what his origins are we just know it's like a baby Yoda type creature. Um, But it's the first time that uh, a character from the star Wars um, canon, is that the right word? The star Wars canon is, uh, is uh, being dropped into this show, which has already established itself as probably the best thing to come out of the star Wars universe since the original trilogy. And uh, so that, I think it's just, that as the excitement is it takes a character that so much can be done with from the original trilogy and uh, it offers the opportunity for expansion and uh, probably play to the, uh, the nostalgic crowd that is probably looking for any reason they can find to 
criticize it. You Mark, know? Joe, you hit it right on the head. You hit it right on the head. They're giving <laughs> a little bit to everybody. You exactly. know what I'm saying? And so it's, it's very, very exciting. excited. And, and you know, and you know why? Because this, right, this whole Star Wars Disney Plus franchise, right, and the and the MCU was headed and started by a man, in my opinion, directed director John Favreau. You know what I'm saying? Like John Favreau right. started the, uh, uh, Iron Man. He's bringing everything back to relevance with Mandalorian. That's what kind of head coach you want. I want John Favreau to be head coach yeah. of Michigan. You know, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 gonna try to make a plea to him. Be like, please be head coach of Michigan. I think you can you could add in a little breath right. of fresh air, something new. You know, that's the same old, same old milk toast. See, see if that vision can go, can be like, yeah, see if that vision works from a, across all types of Why not? Why? I mean, at this point, I mean, what, what do we lose? You know? So, but no, yeah, but like, like he, they're, they're, you're so right. They're giving a little bit to everybody. They're the nostalgia crowd, the new crowd, you know what I'm saying? And the greatest thing about it is, it's like they're not following a Skywalker saga line, really. They might, they might right. pick and choose. There's so from much it. more freedom. Right. Like that. They might pick and choose a little bit from it. Like Boba Fett, you know what I'm saying? But even though Boba Fett is still kind of part of the Skywalkers, but he, you can, he, he's plug and play. You know what I'm saying? You can take him out of that and plug him in over here, just like uh, the dude you brought up earlier, one of my favorite Walking Dead people, uh, Morgan. You know what I'm saying? They, they outplugged Morgan, him yeah. from Walking Dead and put him in fear to Walking Dead. And, and Morgan's that type of character where. You're, you're gonna see him like, oh, that's Morgan, but you're not gonna feel like, oh, he has a he has a straight up attachment to Rick. You know what I'm saying? It's so like, oh, there's Bob, but he doesn't have a straight up attachment to you know uh, to uh, to Luke Skywalker and Vader. You know what I'm saying he, he's been doing his own thing. He has he has a crazy backstory. He has other kind of you know backstories that's opposite of the Skywalker saga. So yeah, I think Favreau's a genius for doing that. Sprinkle a little bit to everybody, baby. Yeah, so. no. It's- um, like I said, in my opinion, probably the best thing to come out of Star Wars since the original trilogy. And I, I didn't, I, I liked a few of the uh, of the newer ones. You know, I, I really like Kylo Ren's storyline. It could have been done better, but I still like Kylo Ren in the in the new trilogy and stuff like that. Uh, but this is probably the most exciting uh, Star Wars thing. So to bring to bring a, a prominent figure like that out of out of that canon and drop him into this show. Uh, I think it's just going to be the best of both worlds. Right. And, and and I hope that this happening is just a ripple effect for more stuff to come for Disney Plus and Star Wars. And I think it's going to be because every time I, I guarantee you people would never done with Mandalorian. I guarantee people got rid of their subscriptions. Right. And I'm talking to this dude at work. I'm like, did you watch it? He's like, yeah. My prescriptions up, so now I gotta get a, another subscription. I'll be like, well, well he's, right. he's like, he's like, yeah. What I did was I, I, I paid for the free, I paid for it, got the free month, uh, uh, uh binge watch the Mandalorian, and then I just ended it. I'm like, well, now you have to pay for it. And I was like, I'm sure you're not the only one. I'm sure there's thousands of people like you. So the the numbers are gonna yeah. go up on Mandalorian. I saw I saw kids dressed as Baby Yoda Mandalorian everywhere for uh. Halloween. This is just only getting bigger. So, exactly. Yeah, Baby Yoda is already like such is becoming like an icon, kind of like uh, in uh, pop in in pop culture of uh, right now. Um, and you know those, you know those, uh, the Funko Pops. You know the big ones. I yeah, got a, I got I, a, I, I got a, I got a, I got my first big one. It's Mandalorian with Baby Yoda in the orb. It's so cool. It's just, how big are how big are the big ones? I um, I want to stay ten I inches. I got I got a few of the tiny ten ones. inches. The t- I think the small ones are ten like inches. two and a half, three inches tall. I think the big ones are like okay. ten inches. But yeah, okay, that's nice. cool. My wife's like, "What the heck did you get?" I'm like, "I pre-ordered. I pre-ordered <laughs> this like six months ago." So <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's right. awesome. Um, before we go, um, it was announced on. Wednesday, the day that we're recording this episode, uh, Matthew Stafford is uh, on the COVID reserve list, and he has tested positive for COVID. So the Lions going to be without their quarterback for a bit now. And God bless him, you know his wife, you know with her, uh, you know her ailments and the brain surgery. You know that's a, 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 that, that's kind of scary. 
know what I'm saying? I, I don't know yeah. if she fits that whole risk factor realm, you know, but it's scary. Right. You just want want them to right. stay safe. At, Especially at to have little kids and a newborn too. So God bless them, man. Anybody anybody gets, you know, everything aside, now you don't want to see anybody get ill. So yeah, God bless them. Exactly. It's, it's scary times. Exactly. Um, but I think that does it for this episode of Beers for Radio podcast. I know it's been a long time since we recorded, but uh, life's just been a little bit crazy for the for the both of us over the last like month or so. But we'll we'll get some more consistent recording on on this. This is the way. This is the way. Make sure you guys check out Talk and Shoot, uh, the Paul Bunyan podcast, and uh, always remember to uh, if you're looking for any. New fashion accessories, uh, far-ebar.com, Farbar. It's the place to go. Yes, sir. All right, man, Sasha. It was good talking to you again, and uh, best of luck with everything going on. No doubt, and we got to uh, do this uh, weekly. We got to we gotta get on this weekly. And you know, speaking of talking, yeah. talking shoot, I'm not, I kind of put it on the back burner until next year. Um, I got you. I got, you know, this house and these kids, and Sundays, you know, I, Sundays – I, I gotta, I gotta, gotta I gotta Sundays. have Sundays with my family. I'm not, I got a family first, so I gotta worry about my family and I my kids. That. So, but but Anchor is always I told Anchor's the option. He's like Anchor. I said me and Joe use Anchor. It just I can do it anywhere. I can do it in the parking lot, you know, at work. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Anchor is nice because it's free. You can record on it, and it'll like broad, it'll broadcast us to a bunch of other ones. It is a pain in the ass sometimes to get started recording as you and I know, right. but. Uh, um, no, nah, anchors, anchors pretty good, right? And I'm also thinking, you know, the first of the year, I'm trying to figure out how we could do. You have a, a laptop with like a camera, correct? Yeah, yeah I want to figure start, start doing like video casts, you know what I'm saying? Right? Like a Jacob nice. Jacoby type deal. I mean, we can do that, man. So I don't know, I have to get innovative, innovative <laughs> you know, start showing our faces yep. with cool stuff in the backgrounds, you know. So that's right, all right, <laughs> all right man. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar Fashion. Visit far-ebar.com to check out a lineup of products such as shirts, hoodies, bags, lots of different accessory type products. Again, that website is far-ebar.com. Check it out.